Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and my guest today is Drew Denzeisen. Drew is recent graduate, only like two years out of school, but Drew has already worked a MLB All-Star game, two Olympic games. He has worked in China uh, with the Warriors and Timberwolves when they had a game there. And he worked on the first NHL event in China and the first UFC event in China. So Drew's done a lot of stuff, and I think I actually left some stuff out. Drew's done an incredible amount of work in a very short period of time, and I think he's an incredible case study on what you should do. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Drew Denzeisen. Today's special guest, I have Drew Denzeisen. He is the, hey Drew, he is the marketing <laughs> events coordinator for the Bahama, Bahamas Relief Foundation. Previously worked with the Anoc, Anoc, Anoc? Anoc World Beach Games. Anoc World Beach Games out in San Diego, Mercedes Benz Arena in Shanghai, Adonal Foil Enterprises. Probably should have asked you how these things are said beforehand, but whatever, <laughs> we're here. How do you say that one? Adonal Foil. Oh, shoot, I had it. All right, good stuff. Um, you had it. Where he was working with the Warriors, worked at the 2016 and the 2018 Olympic Games, the first NHL and UFC events in China, as well as the MLB All-Star Game. Drew, how's it going today, man? Thanks for hanging out. It's going great, Michael. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Happy April Fool's Day to everybody hey. out there. Yeah, yeah. This probably won't be going out for a couple weeks. Um, so I hope people look back on this time and how much they enjoyed their April Fool's Day. So I do yeah. appreciate you reminding everybody and happy April Fool's Day to you too, Drew. Haven't yeah, seen look, too many haven't seen too many jokes flying around the internet today. I'm unfortunate. No, the, the only joke is you told me the other day there was hair and makeup for this uh this meeting here. So I don't know. Yeah. That, I haven't seen that anywhere, but uh, yeah. yeah. I have hair and makeup, I guess I mentioned <laughs> that part of it. But um no man, really do appreciate you hanging out. I think, you know, you're just your Everything that you've been able to do only being out of school for a couple of years now, I think is, is impressive. It's also interesting as hell. And I, you know, obviously spending that much time in China, um, you know, just doing all these global, op- having all these global opportunities and everything, just so excited to get to ask you some questions about it. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, Drew, is why do you love sports so much? Man, sports has, I mean, it's been my passion my whole life as being an athlete my whole life, starting at five years old, playing baseball, playing soccer, playing basketball, playing tennis, and even all three of those at the same time, which was thankful for my mom uh, being our taxi driver. And I also had two younger brothers and a sister that was all, we were all around the same age. So it was a sports house. And so it was something that brought us all together as a family. It was something that we could all compete against or compete against each other, make each other better. And then also the overall community of sports is what drove me. I mean, bringing, this is a common answer, bringing all people together and being able to enjoy something, whether it's competing, whether it's laughing, whether it's even crying, uh, which is even, I mean, sometimes you don't want to cry in sports, but sometimes there's a, there's a time to cry in sports. And when there's moments in sports that bring that together it just makes it so special um so sports has always been a part of my life and 
it's what drove me to kind of work in this industry. So bringing people together, laughing, smiling, having a good time, uh, the sacrifices that go into it, training, and are also very helpful career tools. I mean, mm -hmm. growing up and learning those things, playing sports or being around sports is something that makes people into great individuals. A hundred percent, man. And again, I love how you look at it from the global perspective as well with all these opportunities that you've had. And, and I know that's kind of your focus, a lot of uh, partnerships and, and the global aspect of some of these, um, just some of these incredible opportunities, again, both Olympic games. I mean, recently uh, it was, it was announced that there'll be 2021. So hopefully everything works out there. So we'll see what goes on. And, and you're totally right. Um, you know, shout out to your mom uh, for everything that she was able to do for you, your brothers and your sister. But at the same time, I think it's very important, all those topics that you brought up and how sports, you know, the, the emotion, whether you're playing it or not playing it, um, it's always there, right? Like I've cried because uh, the Mets lost the World Series in 2015. Now I didn't sob, but, you know, there was definitely a tear. I was pretty, pretty sad when that happened. Uh, and I also cried when the Giants won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it goes both ways and, and, you know, they're both again, not sobbing, but I definitely shed a tear for each and they were both incredible and, and, uh, very memorable moments of my life. And, you know, I don't really cry too much. So those are two of the most recent or two of the most memorable ones I've had, um, for better or for worse. So you, uh, as you said, you played a bunch of sports growing up. Um, you then ended up going to SDSU, San Diego state university. And you did a bunch of stuff when you were there. Uh, so, I mean, just a couple of the things. I mean, you studied abroad in China, so I obviously want to discuss that part. But you're also president of the business, isn't it? The business initiative? Um, sports business initiative. Sport, oh, I apologize. The sports yeah. business initiative where you even, you were, I mean, what is, what is, first off, what's the organization? And then what is it like being elected president of something like that? I, I mean, a major college like San Diego State. Yeah, so I transferred to San Diego State after two years of junior college playing baseball. And when that sports career kind of ended, I um, decided to just stay there in San Diego, transfer to San Diego State. And it was this program that kind of got me into everything. It's the Sports Business Initiative. It's a student organization for those interested in working in the sports industry. So my first year as a junior, uh, I was just a part of it, being involved. We were going on site visits. We were doing volunteering. Uh, we're hearing from all these great speakers, which is uh, how the industry is. I mean, everybody's giving back to the industry, which is awesome, uh, giving back to the next generation, the college students. And there's actually a connection who connected both of us. Uh, Mr. David Meltzer his, was one of the first speakers that uh, I heard that fall semester at San Diego State. So we were bringing in speakers to hear about their experiences in the industry. And that organization kind of drove me in everything. And what influenced me to be president of the, of the organization just after one year. And uh, from that, that was probably one of my favorite experiences ever. And it wasn't a job, it or it wasn't a paying job. It was just something that I was just super passionate about and wanted to grow the organization and get it pretty big around campus. And that's what it's turned into. It's been one of the staples uh, in the College of Business, the Fowler College of Business at uh, San Diego State. And so what exactly was it? What did you guys do? I know, uh, you know, I have written down here, you had a sport business summit with over 200 individuals attending. Like, what exactly did you do, I guess, as president? And what exactly did the organization itself do? Yep. So every week we were bringing together students. Uh, we were meeting in the student, or student union. There was different meeting halls. So it was like a classroom. I'd have a whole setup projector. We'd be able to put up the PowerPoints. And 
each week we'd bring in a different speaker from the industry. So either marketing, sales, partnerships, uh, Fox Sports, so media, uh, the California State Games out there, which is in San Diego. So we really had a close-knit sports family there in San Diego that would come back and support um, executives that would come and speak about their careers and just kind of give back to the students, another way to network and uh, learn about internship opportunities. So we'd meet every week. And then we'd also go on site visits. So there's uh, the Skills Headquarters is out there, SKLZ, one of the training brands, uh, very, very high mm -hmm. quality training brands. Uh, they pair with Exos, uh, which is another fitness facility. There's Fox Sports San Diego. There's the San Diego Goals, San Diego Padres. Uh, so being in that San Diego kind of niche down there, we got to go check out some of the um, facilities and do little field trips um so yeah meeting every week bringing in speakers mm -hmm. field trips every week or not every week uh, a few times a semester our big event was the summit so it was every april and my year it was the third in line so third annual and what we do is it's it's a panel we had two panels we had a keynote we had an um inspirational speaker who was a gold medalist david brown gold medalist paralympian Wow. Um, yeah, he was, um, what it, yeah, he was impaired, vision impaired mm -hmm. and one of the best athletes in the world in that space. So gold medalist and hearing his inspirational speech about how he kept going and how he was able to break through even with his disability was truly amazing. Um, and then the panel we had was pretty awesome. CEOs and executives from GMR, from San Diego Padres, from the Farmers Insurance Open. Um, so it was a great uh, amalgamation of speakers, students, networking time. And then, um, yeah, it was really cool. And we Fantastic. had a charity, um, oh. a charity drawing for the uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation, which is another local San Diego entity uh, putting together for veterans. Or it was for veterans that were disabled for them to be able to play sports again. And mainly in San Diego, the adoptive sport is surfing. So getting them on surfboards and getting them out on the water, um, so able to raise money for that. So it was a pretty cool event and being able to put it on and with my executive team, of course, which I couldn't have done it without. And uh, it was an awesome event to be a part of. That is awesome, man. It just sounds like such a, I mean, shoot, I'd want to do that now. I mean, I'm like seven years removed from college, but I'd still be interested <laughs> in going to do something like that now. That yeah. just sounds like a blast. Um, all those opportunities, all those incredible people, as you said, all those speakers, the field trips, the you know just the weekly meetings i think that's all great and again you know as you said it's our it's a it's a it's a piece of that business school now and people know what it is and they, and they enjoy it and it's pretty cool that you also had a hand in helping expand it across the uh across the school yep no, it was uh, awesome and an opportunity i'm very grateful for uh to learn from those people and very thankful for all the speakers and even the students that got involved a lot of passion behind this industry is what's awesome to see and when people bring it all together uh, it even makes it more special. I love it, man. That's good stuff. And also while you were at San Diego State, you went to China for nine months, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. So you were you were essentially in China for almost an entire year. Yes. And um, you did some really cool stuff when you were over there. You worked at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Shanghai. Uh, you worked, uh, that's kind of um, with AEG, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Um, yes. So like when, when working in China, I mean, you worked on some incredible concerts, all these sporting events, as I said, the first two, the first NHL and the first UFC events ever to be held there. 
uh, you're halfway across the world for an entire year. I mean, first off, how the heck did you get that opportunity? <laughs> and second, I mean, how, how much advantage did you take of that situation? Cause not many people get to do something like that. Um, it's taken advantage and then being in the right spot at the right time. And there was a lot of people that went into that, that helped out. So grateful for that opportunity again. Uh, but it's crazy how this industry is so small and it all can, no matter where in the world you are, I mean, of course, you know this in the Olympic world too, which we'll probably get to later on, um, but how small the world is in the sports industry. So mm -hmm. that connection out there with AEG China and uh, Shanghai was a connection that I had speak on my panel at San Diego State that said, hey, I know the guy out there that runs AEG China. Uh, because of the sports arena that's in San Diego, they were closely connected. Mm -hmm. So he reached out to him and told him I was going out there. And I was first of all going out there because my major is international business with Chinese. Uh, so I did five years of Chinese in university, five or mm -hmm. six years. Wow. So about 10 class, 10 Chinese classes. And one of the requirements or the requirement to graduate with that major was to study abroad. Um, so Shanghai was the top spot is where I wanted to go because it was a, a big city and, uh, really well known. And a lot of the sports entities were out there and, uh, about a couple weeks before when I connected with that person at AEG, um, I learned that that fall I got really lucky because it was like one of the biggest sports falls out there or sports periods out there. It was the, uh, the Warriors and Timberwolves were playing their ex NBA exhibition game out there. And it was when mm -hmm. the Warriors were the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was very exciting. And then Adonal Foyle um, is one of my good friends. He played 13 years in the NBA, 10 of them with the Warriors. Um, and he, from a school back East, which I'm sure you're familiar with Colgate. So he took, he took Colgate to uh, two, two NCAA tournaments. So Hell yeah. Adonno Foyle was out there, um, got to link up with him and connect with him more, which is another connection I met through the sports SBI. Um, but yeah, just going out there. So China had NBA, had NHL, the first ever NHL game in China. And then a few weeks later was the first ever UFC fight in China. So a very busy time at that arena. And that arena is incredible. It's an incredible venue. Uh, it's actually a joint venture with AEG and the NBA. And uh, so Mercedes-Benz Arena, if anybody hasn't checked that out yet, go check that out. Look it up. It is one of the funkiest looking arenas you'll ever see. It looks like a spaceship. Oh, and then wow. they light it up with a whole bunch of colors outside, red, pink, blue. Um, it's, it's an insane venue. So really cool venue to work for and be a part of. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, the one down in Atlanta, is our, it, like, it looks pretty funky, too. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep. Now they have a dome, a stadium, and an arena, it sounds like. So Mercedes-Benz is getting around. But I just think it's so cool that, again, you know, I don't, I don't believe that you got lucky. I think you, you worked really hard to get that opportunity. You networked, and you did everything you could. It just so happened that there were some pretty cool events going on um, at that time when you were out there. So you could take advantage of that situation. It sounds like you did. Well, I mean, when, when you're doing these mega events, again, in another country, halfway around, well, I guess you're halfway around the world for me, because China's always been so far away. But I mean, from San Diego, it's much, much closer. <laughs> it's like Europe to me, you know, Europe's halfway around yeah. the world for you guys over there. But it's just like, how, what the heck do you do? 
And how do you like what what goes on and what goes into putting on one of these events, you know, from the TV production side, from the actual event side to make sure that all of this goes off without a hitch? Because as you said, there it's one of the biggest sports periods, biggest sports times in this city's history, because you're having the NBA, you're having the NHL, you're having the UFC, three mega, mega properties here in the United States, all going yeah. over there and essentially in like a two or three week period. Yeah. So with NBA, it's kind of like when you look at it like an MLB all-star game or a Super Bowl, it's where the league comes and takes over uh, mm -hmm. the whole arena. So basically the league came out there. And then back then they had very good uh, relationships with China <laughs> and the NBA. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that happened that I was just shocked with. But the, yeah, so the NBA has great partners out there. And so they made it a full production with TV and of course getting it back here because it was still broadcasted back here and all over China. Uh, so all the media partners step in. Um, they've did incredible activations with NBA cares and some of the back backdrops they had for those, uh, for those activations were pretty cool. Uh, getting in with the community, they brought, they put a basketball hoop down at the, or bas full basketball court down at the bottom of the Shanghai Pearl tower. Uh, which is, if you look at Shanghai skyline, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that stands out. So they put a basketball, um, a basketball court there and we're playing the Warriors. Their activation was playing with kids. Uh, the Timberwolves activation was another one playing with kids or the, no, the Warriors were kids with disabilities in China. Um, so kid, it was awesome to see people that had disabilities such as Down syndrome or autism or other disabilities there. Um, it was really special to see the athletes, especially Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, uh, Draymond Green. They all took the initiative to make sure that these kids had an amazing time and they didn't mm -hmm. even speak their language. Um, and there was, of course, a lot of fans there. Uh, the Timberwolves went to a school. Uh, they went to a school and played basketball and uh, spoke to them as well. This was a school, an international school that had a mix of Chinese and English kids. Um, so they got to speak their language and talk about things and sign autographs and take pictures. So that whole thing. So the NBA really does it well with the activations going out into the community and making it a whole production. And then, uh, the team, they, every team photo, no matter where it is or what teams it is, when they go to Shanghai, they go to the top of the Ritz Carlton, mm -hmm. which is one of the best views in the city to take their team picture. Love uh, it. so yeah, being up there with the Warriors was was pretty cool. Uh, their whole team being up there and uh, getting to see them. I mean, they're all just, they all have fun. Everybody, all the teams, when you're around them, you get to see that they're just a group of, I mean, everybody's young and everybody's, I mean, they're not kids, but they're all like fooling around or tapping each other on the shoulders when they're taking a picture or twirling a ball. And somebody has to tell them, hey, Clay, like stop twirling that ball. Let's go. We're trying to take a picture. Mm -hmm. So it's funny to see all the behind the scenes on that stuff. That is pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, as you said, the NBA in China, um, especially in Sands this year, uh, they've always had great, great relationships and the NBA has been going over there for a few years now. What, what was it then like? I mean, that has also just been awesome just to like hang out with, you know, some of the greatest NBA athletes in the world. I mean, they have what, three of the top 10 and that, that number is even debatable uh, on Comware, at least at that time. That must have just been incredible. But so the NBA, as you said, they, they kind of took it over. They've done this multiple times. This is nothing new to them. They kind of every year have, you know, multiple games. I think this year before everything went down, they had like four or five teams over there, if I'm not mistaken, getting ready to do all these things. Yeah, um, they used to be way more spread out uh, with the exhibition games. This time they took two teams and um, 
they did two cities. So I traveled mm. with them to Shenzhen as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Is, yeah, Shenzhen is one of the fastest growing cities ever. Um, in about 30 years, I don't know the, I don't want to make up numbers here, but it was, I mean, Shenzhen was, is the Silicon Valley of China. Mm -hmm. It's where all their tech is, all their tech companies. Um, it's just out where the Apple uh, factory is, which mm -hmm. not a lot of people want to talk about. But yeah, that's that's not that. Um, there's some stuff going on. If you don't know about it, go Google that. You, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. That's that's fine. Um, so so that's you know with the MBA, like again, they know how all this stuff works. They've done it. They've done it so many times. I think the cooler opportunity you had was working on the first NHL exhibition game and the first UFC event there as well seeing so so the timeline which one was the nba the first activation you worked on yep so it went okay. nba to nhl to ufc so comparing and contrasting those last two events the nhl and ufc with it being their first how how different were those where did everything happen and, and i mean i'm assuming you know some people that worked on the nba consulted a little bit or they had people that knew what was going on but obviously being their first event how did that feel? Like, how did the, what was the difference like? And especially a, a sport like NHL, is that even popular over in China? Yeah, I have no so, idea. And you just brought up a big, a big difference there is the global aspect of the NBA and what soccer, of course, football or soccer, mm -hmm. uh, or talking, when I'm talking about football, I'm talking about soccer. Um, but the NBA is up there with the greatest, one of the top league in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, and then when you bring the top team in the world, the Warriors, um, it just, the magnitude just blows up a lot mm -hmm. more. So that, that came with everybody following their hotels, everybody following their cars, every, wherever anybody was, people were, it was masses coming behind them. And that was a little different with the NHL, but there was of course that niche that, um, that they still built out there and had uh, prior foundation to. And a lot of that was within Beijing. Mm -hmm. So we actually had youth come down from Beijing. Uh, we had coaches come down from Beijing and we did an activation at the mall with both teams. Actually, we had youth teams, we did a signing, we did interviews. Um, so that was a cool, um, that was a cool activation with the NHL and was able to see their niche um, fan base out there, which mm -hmm. they still have it. The NBA is a strong enough or NHL is a strong enough league around the world where it still picks up. And of course they sold out the arena as well. So whenever, I mean, when our top pro sports or pro leagues go out there to China, they're going to sell out because it's the top athletes in the mm -hmm. world still going there. Um, there's enough of an international crowd out there to, um, to attract and sell out the arenas. But yeah, so NHL was a bit smaller than NBA, of course, but it was still cool to see that and be a part of that, be a part of the first one. And then, um, and then UFC came a little bit later, a couple weeks mm -hmm. later. And was that, which one was that more similar to? I mean, UFC is probably a little bit more, not transient, uh, probably a little bit more, I don't know, like well-known, not, I don't even know if well-known, just like more people know what fighting is than hockey. I guess that, that's kind of just well, how because, I'll say that. So Because UFC is more of bringing countries together, bringing mm -hmm. NOC, a National Olympic Committee, or it wasn't NOC sanctioned, but we're talking about bringing countries together um, where they're fighting. Yeah. Fighting each other one-on-one -on -one. and the UFC was a bit like, it was a bit more spread out. And of course, another sellout in the arena. And another thing that brought the UFC up 
was that they had local Chinese fighters, which mm-hmm. I think that was a partnership that they had to do. They had to promote those, uh, of course, being locally. Yeah. But they're also really, um, really notable fighters that are up there. Like, uh, I think one of them was Li Jingliang. And so Li Jingliang, he was all, I saw him in a fight a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, that was here domestically. So he's mm-hmm. a very well-known international fighter. But that was his first time performing in his home country or fighting in his home country. And the crowd went nuts. Everybody was screaming for him. Um, It was almost like, so that was basically the main event. There was the main fight, uh, which was Kevin Gaslam versus Michael Bisping. Uh, So pretty well-known UFC fighters. But Mm -hmm. the main event was when Li Jingliang uh, fought and you could just feel the energy of the crowd get behind their countrymen and screaming. They had like orchestrated chants ready for him. Um, That's awesome. so, yeah, that, that was pretty cool to experience is seeing, cause I went to a soccer game out there too. And, um, it was, I mean, they get behind it, they get behind their and the Chinese soccer league is, um, is pretty, it's getting up there cause they're able to, pay for these big time i mean mm-hmm. even in their late end just like mls they get people in their um later years to bring yeah. them over and the china league has been able to attract those players that's awesome yeah i mean hey to anything to grow any sport right there's enough people in china over a billion people um don't quote me on the numbers but you know obviously with so many people over there there's an opportunity um and obviously there's political stuff that goes along with it again you know that's not what we're here to talk about there's fans there and their fans, fans want to watch the NBA. Fans want to watch soccer. They want to watch UFC. Apparently, they want to watch NHL as well, which I think is pretty yeah. cool. So, you know, bringing that to the fans, I think, is always very important and is always always very interesting to me. Um, also, I mean, being there, you worked on some incredible concerts too. I mean, is this – and as I said before, you worked with at the Olympics, MLB All-Star Game, the, the ANOC World Beach Games. What is it about event planning, management, sustainability, marketing that you just – either are gravitated towards or you just love so much? I don't, it's just, I mean, it's all of the above. Gravitate towards, love, passion. Um, I think those events, what, I mean, I've always wanted to be a part of or some little part in the biggest events in the world. Uh, the Olympic Games, uh, what else? All-Star Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so in A-list concerts or festivals, um, that's always what driven me because everybody wants to be at the top. And of course you have to wait, work your way there and, mm-hmm. Um, which I'm definitely not there yet. Um, Keep working. But yes, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, bringing all people together, especially those international events, it's re- people that are extremely passionate about the industry and whether it's for their com- country or whether it's for their athlete um, or the sport. I mean, just being around people that are all together there for the same thing and to enjoy the same thing and to witness history of some kind or um, yeah, be a part of an event and enjoy it is something that, that drives me. So if I can find a way to uh, work in that space and be able to contribute to the success of those kind of events is that's, what's been driving me in my career. That's, I mean, that's what you kind of spoke about in the beginning, right? Like that you, you love the, the community aspect and bringing people together. And that's, that's what sports do on the global level. And I think that that's always a really cool opportunity. So let's touch upon a couple of the other ones as well. Again, MLB all-star game, as well as the Olympics. What, um, 
what were what were they like, man? I mean, you know my background a little bit with the Olympics, so that one I'm I'm kind of jealous. And this year got all wonky, but hopefully 2021 is <laughs> going to be a cool one. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think the MLB All Star Game was first, correct? No, well, first no, of all, the, I want I want to point out what please. you're doing with our athletes, and I really think it's a it's a cool initiative. What you're doing is I appreciate you, that, man. No, come on, man. Yeah. I get an, I do enough of these. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. I appreciate it, man. I really do. But um, no, really like, like, so what was the timeline? You probably went to the all-star game first, then the 2016 games, correct? Yep. And then, so the, was the all-star game like your first, I guess, foray into these like major, major sporting events? It was. Yeah. So i um, and that fall, the fall before it fall of 2015, fall and mm-hmm. winter, is my first or my internship with Meltzer where I was interning at Sports One Marketing. So I had this, they were kind of influencing me towards here or just being around them and hearing about these like, grand sporting events, the Masters, the Super Bowl, the yeah. Pro Bowl, um, and then having activations and being involved with some of the events surrounding those is something that, of course, I wanted to be a part of and learning a lot from that, of course, learning about how or the marketing and the agency side and being involved with those. But the two things that I've always had on my radar, of course, playing baseball my whole life and being in San Diego that whole time was the 2016 All-Star Game. I knew that was going to be something special and something that, um, that I was working towards, either I got a job to pay up to either be around that or find a job that was working towards that. And then the 2016 Olympics and Rio was always, I mean, there's two things that basically made, made me gravitate towards Rio. And that was watching Brazil soccer growing up, watching Ronaldinho Mm -hmm. and Ronaldo and Robinho and those players. I mean, it was just truly special to watch that team and, just being influenced by their fun and the dancing and Ronaldinho and his, all his tricks. And I mean, one of the greatest players to ever watch. And then another one was fast five. So fast and furious five. Yeah. Let's go. I love the fast and the furious franchise, man. You have no idea. (laughs) So when they did their whole thing down in Rio, I mean, that was part, that was basically the whole movie. And with Don Omar, the artist that they had involved as one of the actors brought up one of the greatest songs in Latin music history, Danza Cuduro. Mm-hmm. So just seeing Rio, I was like, okay, it's the Olympic Games, it's sport, it's bringing people together. It's something, I mean, and Olympics I've always watched as a kid. So it's always been my interest. So when you bring those two together, sport, Brazil, um, I said, there's no way I'm missing that. And so I made it, I, it, it took a lot of work to get there, but um, but first, yeah, let's, that was a little bit of a tangent, but going on, let's, let's talk about all-star. So all-star coming to San Diego, it was my sport. It was, I mean, all the people I grew up watching, it was David Ortiz, David Ortiz's last hurrah. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a part of that, I found a little, um, intern or I guess internship or no, it was, it was actually working. It was working with Fox sports activation in, inside the, uh, all-star fan fest which is very cool to check out if you're a baseball fan that is the all the two things as a baseball guy that is like the disneyland of baseball is the winter meetings mm-hmm. and the all-star game so the winter meetings i mean everybody's in town all the executives the players are in town owners um and of course baseball tonight uh espn and mlb network 
Um, so being a, for that in San Diego was pretty cool. And then uh, the all-star game, it's just everybody together, everybody, all the athletes, um, the activations inside FanFest. It is a baseball Disneyland. So mm-hmm. I was working with Fox Sports um, where they had, uh, and then Dick Enberg, of course, uh, the late Dick Enberg, one of the best announcers uh, in baseball, our greatest announcers, um, was, he was one of the main uh, parts of that activation. They had a hologram of Dick Enberg in there. Um, they were bringing by some athletes or, or they were bringing by some of the Padres guys. Of course, Will Myers came through. Um, they had Dan Orsillo uh, or their color guy, color mm-hmm. announcer. Um, and so they brought everybody together. It was the activation. And then they would bring together all time greats. And one, there was a guy um, who was, and this, I will always remember this story. There was a guy in a wheelchair um, that had a disability and was always come and hang out over by the uh, activation at Fox Sports and was waiting for all these guys to come. Dick Enberg, um, he was waiting for Mark Grant, which is another announcer. And uh, one of the surprise guys that was coming by was Ricky Henderson. Nice. So Ricky Henderson was coming by and this guy was waiting for two days uh, for, to wait for him. And Ricky came by and kind of tapped him on the shoulders behind and he was looking around to see who it was. And it was Ricky Henderson and to see this guy's eyes light up and just go crazy. And uh, he had a ball that Ricky just signed right away and put his name on it. And those are the kind of moments that you're, when you're working these activations and, um, I mean, that's what this industry is all about is making a positive impact on somebody and being able to experience that and be a part of that is, I mean, that's something that just drives me and I know drives a lot of people in this industry. I love that, man. It's, it's just something, you know, again, just, just the opportunity, you know, you, as you have worked with the Warriors and you got to meet all those guys, the Timberwolves, you know, those two hockey teams, I don't even think we mentioned who was there. Some of those UFC guys. um, And then now being able to work at something like this, I mean, you've met a lot of athletes, Um, you know, in my time, I've had the opportunity, I've met some relatively famous people and I've met some athletes. And the coolest part is, they're all just people that are really good at sports. Like mm-hmm. 90, I haven't met one that I was just like, I don't like you at all. Like there have been so few just like mean athletes or like kind of like assholes. Like most of them are just real people. And it just turns out they're a little bit taller, faster, stronger, <laughs> and better at sports than us. Like that's really it. Like you could talk to them about hum- like human beings. Um, my cousin actually works for a company that does a lot of golf outings. So every year he goes to some of these super lavish like Derek Jeter events where all the Yankees are there. And he's a huge Yankees fan. So, you know, he gets to meet these guys. And he's like, yeah, I've met Bernie Williams four or five times. Haven't said a single thing about baseball to him. I just ask him how his music's going and he'll talk to me for an hour. Like, you know, just talk to him as if they're real human beings and they appreciate it. Obviously, some cases we have to fanboy out, fangirl out every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But it's just so cool. Just the opportunity to just spend some time with these athletes as you've seen. And as you said, those are the moments you live for during these activations to see how excited some of these kids get, some of these people get just kind of meeting their literal heroes right in front of their eyes. It just has to be so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the amazing, amazingness of sports. I don't even know if that's a word, but it is today. It, it is, is today. today is today. Anything <laughs> happens today. The quarantines don't matter. It's April Fool's. Nothing matters anymore. Yeah. Um, 
so that that's the MLB All-Star game, which sounds like you had an incredible time. And it's it's pretty cool how you go from the All-Star game, which is normally what, like July-ish? July, yeah, July 10th, around there. July and then the second week in a, two second weeks week in later. Two weeks later, you're you're going down to Brazil essentially. <laughs> yeah. You know that the uh, summer games are usually like the end of July into into August in most situations. Um, what, yeah, Brazil has a crazy it has a crazy backstory behind it because of course it was, I mean, for everybody in the world, just like, I mean, every Olympics tends to have their thing that the media mm-hmm. just takes and runs with, yep. of course. And, um, and we all love media and what they can do. Um, so we're living, we kind of lived through that a little bit in the last couple months, but, um, what they did with Brazil or even, I mean, we don't know if they did this or, Mm-hmm. But every Olympics, there's something that comes up. And for Brazil, everybody knows it was Zika. Yep. So, um, of course, a couple months before, I knew like, I knew I was doing every. I got another job. I was working probably 50 hours a week, part-time. Or I don't even, yeah, two jobs. I was working 50 hours a week, uh, two part-time jobs, 50, 60 hours a week, uh, just to save up for that. And my parents knew I was going down, but they've told me, they told me a million times before that they wanted me to cancel the trip. Mm-hmm. They didn't want me to go down. They knew I was going down by myself. Okay. Rio is one of the most dangerous cities in the world. Um, and then you add Zika to that. You have, mm-hmm. you see athletes backing out. You see how much the media is kind of putting a scare into people, which is what they're great at doing. Um, but yeah, my dad even told me, he said, I will pay for everything like in, I mean, we're not, not coming from a super wealthy family and middle-class families is I will pay for you, like your flight to just whatever I'll pay you back for that. Just cancel it. I said, there's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> Sorry, said, dad. Fast, fast, and the yeah. furious five Vin Diesel. He showed <laughs> me too much. So yes. Yeah, so back then I told them, give me two weeks. And one of the powers of the world, which we all use or we're all good at using and, um, taken advantage of is the network of LinkedIn. I mean, I see you're on there. There's Nick Hayden, who you just had on a Mm -hmm. couple episodes ago is a master at that. Um, Another young person in the industry that is crushing the game. So you, I mean, another props to you here is the speakers that you've been able to bring on and thank you. um, Yeah. I mean, the podcast guests, you've been able to, with people like us sharing experiences in the industry and all of us coming together. I mean, LinkedIn's been a huge part of that. So LinkedIn, a couple of years ago, what was it, four years ago, uh, I told my parents, give me two weeks. And if I don't find anything in that two weeks of like finding a safe place to be down there, to be involved, and I don't care if it's working or volunteering, it was way too late for me to be a games volunteer because that mm-hmm. stuff is done two years out, two or three years out. Um, but I said, give me two weeks on LinkedIn and I will find a way down there to keep myself occupied. And they said, okay. So they went with that. They were comfortable with that. And I probably sent 80 to hundred LinkedIn connections and uh, messages. Just, uh-huh. I mean, that's what I had to do is I had to set out that and um, you'd be, you'd be surprised what you can do or people aren't surprised anymore because they know of the, the powerful network that it is. Um, for, so that's a big thank you. Um, to Jeff Weiner for, uh, for link CEO of LinkedIn for creating that opportunity for us in the industry for, I mean, all people, young people, uh, people that are very successful in their career to be able to connect with each other. So thank you LinkedIn for that opportunity. And 
um, yeah, so sending out 80 to 100 messages on LinkedIn and just being very persistent with that. And um, even the people got back to me and said, hey, I'm sorry, like, I really appreciate you trying and really appreciate or you sharing your story and um, your situation, but there's nothing we really can do at this point. And um, turns out there was one connection that I somehow got to the IOC and uh, they reached out to somebody who was in San Diego, uh, who was the head photo chief for the IOC that was actually consulting and mm-hmm. lived in San Diego, which is where I was. So we turned up, met there in San Diego. We had lunch or breakfast and um, talked about how he could help me out and got me into kind of the media center, the MPC and the IBC, International Broadcasting Center um internet uh what is the mpc man how does that come to a blank but yes mpc and ibc which are the main media hubs for the olympics it's the 200 countries all have represented there it's the main press conference center where president bach comes on and addresses it's where all the big athletes come and do their press conferences so we got into a press conference actually it was president bach his intro press conference. So watching that with everybody mm-hmm. with cameras from around the world and then all the, seeing all the translators in there. I mean, they have translators that wrap the room. Um, and then next after that was USA basketball. So USA basketball mm. came on and after that they break out into little media sec. It's like being in a locker room. You can go up to them. So I got to go up to Paul George, uh, Kyrie and KD, uh, coach K, um, so yeah, the media, media has a lot of power at the Olympics. That's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, we know the media is positives and negatives. Um, but that is still cool that you had that opportunity to get to meet all them. I'm also a pretty big Duke fan. So, uh, very jealous. You got to hang out with coach K for a minute, Kyrie Irving. He's, he's, he's crazy, but he's still a Duke blue devil. And that's then we appreciate him for that. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I just think it's so cool that you've been able to, to run with these opportunities. And, and again, all it takes is that one connection, right? It just mm-hmm. took that one connection to someone with the IOC who knew somebody that was in San Diego and just wanted to, wanted to, you know, get there and, and, and help you out in any way. And clearly you showed your stuff and your, and your worth and, and your value and you're able to get that done. And then, yeah, now you're, you're hanging out with Paul George KD again. Uh, there's something about you and KD, man. You might want to reach out to his company <laughs> or something. Cause that's, that's that, yeah, I don't believe, I don't believe in Quinn's. I don't believe in coincidences. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. yeah. Shout out Rich Klein. Let's, let's get him on the podcast. See if, yeah. Uh, yeah, you get that relationship, bring Katie over. We'll, we'll do a whole thing. Um, the but... room, three, five ventures. Yeah. <laughs> let's get but, it. Man. No, uh, I, I mean, it, this all, I mean, yes, it's my persistence and my work ethic, which I'm, I mean, that's in my DNA, but I don't want to make it all about me, me, me. I just want to, I mean, there's a lot of people to thank for that, that have absolutely been given students like myself or um, people in this industry that are younger, that are learning and like very thankful for those people um, awesome, that go man. all across the board. So it's, it's very impressive. And then, so then you also, other than Rio, you were also, you also spent some time in Pyeongchang, the 2018 Olympic games. And I think if my timeline's correct, you were over in China which made it way easier to, to get over there, uh, right? Yes, it was easier to get, well, actually, no, I did a t- stint, I did a two-week stint for the holidays. I came back here. 
okay. uh, to the States. So from China, I had two or three weeks, and then I went straight back out to Korea. Mm-hmm. I flew to Korea from San Fran. Um, but that, that's the other thing that people, all this international travel, if you got to do it on coach class, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for for four layovers (laughs) getting from the States. Yeah. I mean, we went to Chengdu. Um, what else? Xi'an, uh, Xi'an, where else did we go? I mean, all these little cities or not little cities in China, but big cities that people don't know of really for layovers just to get to Korea. Mm-hmm. But Korea, yes, that was another experience. And <laughs> for that, I actually got to, thankfully, I got to stay there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I landed a gig volunteering with Team USA, uh, Team USA at the USA house. So their main hospitality center. Um, at Rio, they rented out a whole school uh, for that. And so they took over a whole school. It's their activation. It's where all their sponsor or yeah, sponsors and donors and athletes and parents get to hang out. Uh, so every Olympics, every country has this hospitality center. Um, so the USOC or USA house is one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's also closed off. Um, it's very, it's private. Um, just because of the amount of athletes they have there and the amount of, I mean, the capacity because Pyeongchang's was very small. It was a very small activation uh, just because of the people going out there. It's not as much as summer, Um, but volunteering there every day, getting to see the athletes come in, Sean White, Chloe Kim, Jamie Anderson. Um, Yeah. I mean, every single athlete you could think of you, you saw in there. So that's awesome, man. Yep. You've had some super cool experiences and I, I love it. And again, most, you know, some of these were volunteering. Some of these were little internships. Some of these, you know, you did actually get paid for some, you had to save up your money uh, to, yeah. to, to go to, which I think is awesome. If, and, you know, if you're passionate about the industry, if you're young and passionate, I mean, you never know what's going to happen when you book that ticket and just mm-hmm. be around, be around that area. I mean, it just happened a couple months ago at Super Bowl in Miami. It's just, I mean, being around those events with all these people, all these sport people in the world, of course, it's a small industry uh, between Super Bowl, between NBA All-Star, even Olympics. Being that it's a small industry, you're shaking the same hands. So you're seeing the same people around. You're shaking the same hands. Um, All the networking events as well. I mean, it's a small niche industry, even though it's a global world. Mm it's this the sports industry is crazy small so i mean you never know what could happen when you just say okay i'm setting out to go there sometimes you don't even know where you're staying but <laughs> you figure, figure it out, out because yeah it's just i mean i don't recommend doing that but if that happens I and mean, you you're on your feet you know you have to figure it out what you do even if your back is against the wall you figure out um, how to do it. But if you have a passion for it and you set your mind to it, you know that you can, you can make that happen being around that. And if it's something that you want to be around, you can, you can do it. Just go there and see what happens. That's what I, that's what I just try and tell people. Yeah. You just never know, man. There's so many opportunities. All you got to do, as you said, just start shaking some hands, talking to some people and, uh, you know, add some value in some way, shape or form. And there's a good opportunity that'll come from it. Um, just a couple more, a couple more things I want to touch upon. Obviously the, the ANOC world beach games, I know. Um, so I have to assume, you know, David Meltzer then introduced you to Willie Banks because I know he had a, a pretty big piece of that. Uh Oh, did he not? No. So I oh. met Willie 
And, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So, and that's a great name to bring up, Willie Banks as well, because that's another person I thank over the last couple of years that I've been very fortunate to work for. Um, he is Mr. Track and Field. Mr. Willie Banks is a world record holder in the triple jump. He's a three-time Olympian and the father of the slow clap in stadiums. So he started that. So that's another fun fact. I did not know that. I'll have to tell him that I learned that information about him. Yeah. So Willie is a very amazing individual, especially in the Olympic world. Um, So I met him through, I did another volunteer stint while I was at USA House. I was doing two kind of volunteer gigs uh, with the World Olympians Association in Pyeongchang. Um, So it's basically, I'm sure you've heard of WOA. It's basically the alumni system for all Olympians. Um, So it's every Olympics, they get tickets and uh, all the Olympians, of course, want to go back and see their sports or see other sports or still be around the movement uh, because it's one that just touches everybody in a special way. Um, So all Olympians go back and go to the Olympic Games and get to go enjoy it. So the WOA is something that it's another hospitality space that brings them together. They have their own event or they have their own uh, venue. And then they're also distributing tickets. So I was distributing, I was sitting at the train station in Korea in, um, what is it? Gangneung. Gangneung is what it was called. It was one of the cities. It wasn't in Pyeongchang. So Pyeongchang mm-hmm. was a separate little city. Gangneung was the, cl- uh, the coastal city. Um, so that's where I met Willie Banks. And uh, they told me about the like that he was CEO of the, uh, San Diego Anoc World Beach Games. Uh, but the Beach Games was something that was on my radar about four or five years before. Mm-hmm. It was something that I was, I mean, I knew about it. And I always said, like, I had that pinpoint on my, um, on my career map is something that I really wanted to be a part of. And mm-hmm. being a part of the Cal State Games, which is what I was working with my freshman year of college, volunteering with. Um, they were part of that grassroots program for Anoc World Beach Games. And so hearing about that event, hearing that it was a new Olympic property or new part of the Olympic family with Anoc, um, it was something that I've always wanted to be a part of. It was bringing athletes from all over 100 countries, probably about 3,000 athletes and uh, 16 different sports. Five of them were on the agenda for Tokyo 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was a brand new event and really something that I wanted to be a part of and meeting Willie in uh, Pyeongchang and then coming back and um, reaching out to them. I was actually working with them in my last couple of weeks in being in Shanghai, uh, getting started, looking at some of the athletes and the marketing, um, who was potentially coming and who was competing because some of these are athletes are very, are top athletes and then some of them are top athletes in their sport, but not as well recognized globally. Mm -hmm. So being able to recognize them and point them out and uh, learn about them as we started our marketing campaign uh, is something I started building a database while I was in Shanghai and got back to San Diego and told, told myself that I wanted to be a part of it. And they let me on and because of my Olympic background and passion for that space and knew that there was something that I could provide value for. Um, so being a part of that for about a year and a half is something that even though the games, I mean, here's a little spoiler that a lot of people know by now is that those, that event did not happen in San Diego. Uh, so the Anoc World Beach Games happened in Qatar 
And that was something that was split off about six months before the event. They called it, they cut it off in San Diego. And that's basically the thing with hosting events that are not part of the big four sport leagues in the U.S. Mm -hmm. is here in the U.S. I mean, it's very different from other countries and their Olympic budgets and budgets for these kind of events is there's no minister of sport or ministry of sport where that kind of funding comes from. Everything in the U.S. is privately funded or sponsorship ran. And there was a difficulty getting that being a first time event of that extremity and having such a large budget that San Diego might have not have been the best place to start out or be the inaugural event, mm-hmm. which is why countries like China or in the Middle East and Qatar um, kind of spend or even Russia, um, their government gets behind it, their tourism board. I mean, we had the tourism board in San Diego behind it, but there's uh, not as much of an involvement financially mm-hmm. or investment financially that the government or the city puts in. Um, so that was a difficulty learning in San Diego. Um, but still that experience being working with USOC or USOPC now, uh, being closely working with them because they were a stakeholder in the event being in our home turf, um, very thankful for that opportunity and learning from them and Ganilla learn Lundberg, um, or Ganilla Lindberg, who is in Sweden. She is one of the most powerful women in the world. And she was basically the head of those games. Uh, so that was her project. And um, yeah, she's on the IOC. Um, she's an IOC member as well. So them coming back and forth to San Diego and really seeing that city. And there's a lot of potential in that city. It's just not, not, not the first priority sport-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a... Uh... It's an incredible city. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I only hear great things. But I mean, uh, so my dad is a big Chargers fan. Um, he's a Chargers fan because of Dan Fouts. So he didn't mm-hmm. have any connection to the city, but he even still calls them the San Diego Chargers, right? Most yep. people do. You hear people slip up on NFL Network about it. And that's the thing about San Diego is they don't really care about sports as much as some other places. I remember there was right when the Chargers were leaving, they had like a uh, – a poll throughout the city and more people said they'd be sad if comic-con left than if the charges <laughs> left so and hey and that's fine i mean teach his own whatever it works but yeah. it's just it's yeah maybe now you but it's cool that you had the opportunity to see that firsthand it's cool that you had the opportunity to see something like this i mean it's unfortunate obviously but from a learning experience you gain way more experience by kind of seeing how something gets put on and then seeing how something, why something doesn't get put on yeah. and the opportunity to learn from something like that. And yeah, it's unfortunate, but um, you know, it still happened. As you said, it was in Qatar and there's still opportunities and Willie's Willie's a really great guy. I've spoken with him multiple times over the last couple, you know, 18 months and he's a really smart dude. So I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, hopefully you guys get something, hopefully you can be a part of something. Maybe it's your turn. You put it on. Drew. How's that sound? Um, yeah. And then uh, the last stop you've made, and again, I just want everyone to remember, we've, we've been to two Olympic Games, we've been to multiple events in China, the NBA or the MLB All-Star Game. Um, you know, you've just done so much in such a short period of time. I commend you on all of that. And your last gig, you're actually working with Rick Fox. Yes, that Rick Fox with um, his Bahama Relief Foundation. Yep. So tell me, tell me a little bit about, again, I'm sure somebody connected you to Rick Fox or you were at an event, you shook his hand and then you saw him again and you shook his hand again <laughs> and eventually just got there. But tell me, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now or what you so, at least were doing when the, the world was on his axis. Yep. So it's crazy looking back at this now is something we've talked about in this, uh, in this segment as well. 
is those little pieces of the puzzle that keep getting put together each and every time you go out and shake somebody's hand. And uh, that was another one. So another, um, somebody who used to work for the IOC um, that I got connected through, through WA, World Olympians Association. So I've known her uh, a few years now. And um, we actually met for the first time. So we've been connected and talking to each other on LinkedIn for a couple years. And uh, I actually got to work with her in LA for a FIBA 3X3 event. Um, it was the first LA stop ever. So FIBA 3X3 World Tour, um, a person who was working with me for Beach Games, who was running the FIBA events, um, he pulled me in and he said, hey, I want you to come over here. I'm doing an event in LA with FIBA World Tour. I want you to come work it. And I found out that um, she was heading it as well. So I got to meet up with her and, um, and kind of worked that event. And Rick was there as well. A couple of weeks later, um, I was still kind of in a career transition mode. I was applying for jobs and she said, Hey, we're working on this foundation with Rick. I'm jumping in to be his advisor. And, um, I want to pull you into this cause I really need like help with the marketing and just I'm general operations and admin and helping out with the foundation. So the foundation was created because Rick is Bahamian. Um, so what happened in the Bahamas last summer was Hurricane Dorian destroyed the a whole lot of the country. Uh, so Rick put together this foundation, the Bahamas Relief Foundation, and because of his influence in esports, that's what the fundraising events were set to be. So our first event was in Vegas, my hometown. So I was in in Vegas, moved out of San Diego. Um, and got to work with them for that one. And it was a 24 hour live stream. And Rick was on the camera all 24 hours. And I stood Good next him. to him for all 24 hours. Oh my goodness. And it was, I mean, whatever he needed, I was there or I mean, setting up uh, sponsor activations or shout outs that we had to get through or kind of talking about the script, making sure. And that was, I mean, that was a pretty amazing feat that I give him mad props to uh, for bringing on. I mean, he brought up because of his influence in League of Legends. He's a very big League of Legends player. And I would not have guessed, honestly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off, man. Yeah. But I, that is just when you told me that, I was like, I, I believe you, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So League of Legends is something that he's been very into over the past, I'd say, four or five years. That's awesome. And it was one thing that brought him closer with his son, which he always says, his son, Kyle. Um, because his, his son Kyle is a big player, uh, a big gamer. And so it was League of Legends All-Stars. It's one of their biggest events of the year. Um, millions and millions of viewers. They had it at the eSports Arena in Vegas. Uh, all the top players from all over the world were there. And he was bringing them on to stream uh, for the fun, uh, foundation, and, which was really cool. He brought on Faker, which is the number one player in the world. People compare him to Michael Jordan, which is – crazy to compare in in that kind of scope uh -huh. um but he is the number one player in the world and he's there for a reason and he is i mean he's a great dude as well um he's korean and just meeting him and um seeing him play with rick and enjoy it and do good for the foundation was awesome uh so we did yeah we did a 24-hour stream there which was i mean the emotion that rick puts into it and um he really puts his all into it 
and which was really cool to witness and see the power uh, that he has in that space and see, I mean, just talking about how much heart he put heart and soul he puts into what he put into the foundation and uh, giving back to his home country. We are set to build a school uh, back there in the Bahamas, which we, wow. that was our one, or that was one of our main goals. And we did that. So we're opening the school up in a couple months. And, um, and then the next thing that came along was doing an event at the NBA All-Stars in Chicago. So doing that um, was pretty cool. We had an activation inside the uh, NBA crossover at the Navy Pier, which is in Chicago. I mean, I'm sure you've been over there as well. Uh, no, I haven't been there yet. Never really? been to Chicago. Nope. Okay. So yeah, wasn't, weren't you working for Bacon? So that's remote. Oh, okay. Rob's based out of, uh, yep. Rob's based out of Chicago. I'm hanging out here. I'm the New York city office. At least that's what oh, we like. Okay. To say. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. And that's another great person in the industry content wise and what mm-hmm. he's been doing and in, in sports marketing and has been really cool. So that's another great experience that you got a notch on your belt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, Chicago at the Navy pier, it's a very, uh, classic building. It's a very old building, but great activation that the NBA set up uh, as their fan experience. So we were inside there bringing on, we were doing another stream, not, not 24 hours this time, but it was three days. And we always said the 24 hour stream was a lot easier to do than the three day stream. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's it only was one crazy. day, right? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, the energy and effort that went into this weekend thing was, was a lot more than the 24 hour, which was crazy to think about. But, uh, and then he had guests as well. He had Ron Harper. He had uh, Robert Ori. He had Kobe White. He had um, Buddy Heal, Taco mm-hmm. Fall. Wow. Um, just come on and play 2K. So we're, that was another fundraising event that we were doing. But the one thing that I take from that event was a, a truly special moment that, I mean, that's the stuff we live for is, at these events, I mean, I mentioned this before, but if you're on an event and you can, I mean, if there's something that brings tears to your eyes, mm-hmm. then it's something that you truly appreciate that moment. And that's what sports has the power to do. And so being there, he brought a kid on to play and, um, oh man, just thinking about this is just, it was a special moment. Uh, but the kid came on to play and his mom was sitting right there and his mom was crying and she comes over and tells us that the kid's dad had passed away in the fall. Mm-hmm. And just like hearing that and seeing the kid, uh, just being able to smile and enjoy life still and um, go through that and being able to enjoy the moment playing with Rick. And then she came over and told Rick that. And Rick kind of brought him together and hugged him and was telling him all these things like, stay strong and his mom came over and showed him his grades and the kid had a's and b's all a's um on his report card even after all of that and just to see rick kind of give this kid another i mean the kid has already had hope and positivity but just seeing a professional athlete and somebody that's very well known do that and being able to hold him and put his head next to each other and see the kids start crying and seeing rick start crying it's just I mean, that's, it, it was a truly amazing moment and the, the people, and he actually beat Rick. It was a competitive, very competitive game. Uh-huh. And this kid's going crazy. Every time he makes a basket, every time he blocks a shot, gets a stop on D 
kids putting everything into it, jumping up and giving fist bumps. So, I mean, just, and that's what kicked off our, our night one. Uh, oh my street. goodness. There you go. So I mean, that that's was, incredible, man. Yeah. That is so that's, cool. And as you said, that's just sports, just bring people together all around the world as we've been talking about for the last hour, just, just everything that sports are capable of doing in all these different countries, in all these different places with all these different people. There's always that low common denominator of, you know, we're here to compete. We're here to have fun. We're here to have a good time. And it's, uh, it's, it's always incredible. And I think, you know, just the way you've been able to go about your career so far, I'm really excited to, you know, you know, redo this episode. I don't know, once every two, three years, just to, just to see the laundry list of other crazy places you've been <laughs> and all the other incredible things that you've done. I'm sure there's more that we could really dive into, but um, I think this is a pretty solid place to end that. I guess just moving forward, I know you're into partnerships, you're into marketing, and mm-hmm. with everything kind of going on right now, it's a little difficult to do a lot of that stuff, me being kind of in the same boat, similar at least enough. What, what are you trying to do coming out of this coronavirus opportunity? What are you going to be trying? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you still going to be with the, the Bahama Release Foundation? Obviously, if everything goes well, what's your, like, not career end goal, but where, where is that trajectory taking you? Uh, that's a good question, actually. So after all this, of course, with our industry shut down, Bahama, yes, we'll be getting back into that. And there could be events and projects with them in the future, which those bridges have not been burned. And we're still, I mean, we're still looking to in, in the, into those events. Uh, but as far as myself, I'm still, that is what this whole time I, I've kind of, I've liked this time, this downtime, which is not, I mean, it's not a good thing to say because of course there's people out there that are yeah. well, going through all those hardships. But for me, it's been kind of a self-reflecting where I've been reading a lot. I've been doing a lot of yoga and meditation, visualization and seeing where I truly see myself and Right now, I see that in sports and partnerships, either running events or starting up an event. And I don't know, we'll see. There might be something in the works that we'll be able to talk about soon. Um, But just kind of work through those and see. I mean, now's the time to do anything that you've really wanted to do. And kind of especially being at this age, being at our age and just giving an opportunity to try. I mean, that's a lot with Nick said, listening to your podcast with Nick is, I mean, we're all in this age where we can go out and try things and learn and see. And that's one thing that I really, I mean, I've gone out to these events and learned a lot. And, but I think starting up something or um, trying something on my own is something that I've always wanted to do the past couple of years. So there might be something that's in the works that's, uh, that's coming out. And um, that's what I've been yeah, working towards now. And, just Keep taking the opportunity, yeah, with the time. Write a is... book, man. You should write a book. I mean, I know you're only 20-something, but shoot, you've been to enough places. You've talked to enough people. Just write a book. Shoot, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Um, no, Drew, if you need help with anything, make sure to reach out. Uh, that's why I'm here, you know, of that David Meltzer gospel, just here to help. Uh, you know, if you need anything, let me know. would love to come out to, to Florida. Um, would love to come out to San Diego. would love to go out to Las Vegas, Chicago, wherever you are, man bring me along. I'm sure, I'm sure there's something I could do that's useful. But, um, nah, man, seriously, this was absolutely fantastic. Good luck. I, one last thing, actually. So I did, uh, I saw a quote by, uh, Tim Grover the mm-hmm. other day and it was awesome. He's the legendary trainer of, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, great book too. relentless. If you haven't read that highly, highly suggest it relentless by Tim Grover. But okay. uh, I saw something, I can't remember 
what social media it was on now because people just like screenshot their tweets and put them on Instagram. So it's very confusing to me, but it was something like along the lines of, Hey, we're all, it's just, you have more time than you did before, right? Like you either don't have a commute or your work, you know, your work is off or, you know, you don't have as much. If there was anything that you were ever thinking about doing and you're not doing it yet, just assume and tell yourself that you're never going to do it. Like if you're yeah. trying to write a book and you're not doing it now, then you're just lying to yourself and just throw it away. If you wanted to start a podcast and you're not doing it now, just tell yourself that you're never going to do it. So this is the one yeah. time um, I've quadrupled my output and input when it comes to this. So I'm just trying something to do. Thank you. Thank you. Here all yeah. day. Um, but yeah, man, it's just something we're just trying hard. So Drew, really appreciate it. Let's see if I can get your last name right. Dan Zeisen. Yes, sir. Love it. Drew Danzeisen, Marketing and Events Coordinator for the Bahama Relief Foundation with Rick Fox. Yes, the actor. Uh, I think he might have been a basketball player too, somewhere along the way. Um, but also, I mean, all the places that I mentioned before, no need to rename all of them because you're incredible and people listen to the whole thing. So really appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, Michael, thank you. And um, yeah, this is another one that's like, I really thank you for the opportunity. And this is something new to me because I don't like uh i don't know i'm not one to talk about myself i like to thank others and be very grateful for opportunities and hear about and listen to other people because they're a lot more successful than me like yourself so that's that's going to be another thing where our next conversation is maybe going to be me asking you questions about your your success in the industry because that'll be a fun one works for me man and hey we all have experiences and everybody can learn from them so uh, don't hold back tell tell us some of your stories because i think they're pretty damn good man (laughs) thank you so much drew i appreciate it all right michael thank you and of course likewise let me know if there's anything i can help you or connect you with and i'll be down here in tampa i think for a little bit um (laughs) a couple months at least a couple months at least but hey tampa's tampa's a hot spot for the industry especially coming up february are you gonna be down here uh, I might have to be. I kind of want the the Bucks to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Thank you all for listening to this episode with Drew. As I said, he was so cool, so much fun. He's hanging out in Florida. I'm in my basement in New Jersey, and it's still kind of cold out, so that was kind of a drag. But we had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, make sure to follow Drew on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening to us. And thank you so much for hanging out. Time's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.